The practice of being seen is about understanding who you really are and daring to share your truth with the world. This is a conversation with and for seekers, creators, and holders of transformation. We believe that stories shape relationships, and relationships shape stories. This is Rebecca Wong, relationship therapist and founder of Connectfulness. And this is Marisa Gowdy, writer and storytelling coach for healers. And this is The Practice of Being Seen. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for help from a licensed mental health professional. So today's a special episode. Mm -hmm. We decided to record this episode just ourselves again. We haven't done this since the beginning of the podcast. And while it's been so amazing to have so many guests on who've helped us clarify our thinking, challenged us, taken us in so many new directions, it's time to look Come within. back to center. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we're, we're also just in a, in a place of our own expansion right now and of claiming our truths. Mm. And this is an opportunity for us just to dive a little deeper and explore that with each other. And it's a tender spot. And we ask our guests to get vulnerable. And we have an opportunity to do that too in a lot of our conversations. But today, we're going a little deeper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about intersections. Yeah. In-betweens. Balances. Mm-hmm. Holding. Birthing. Permission. Diving deep. Trusting truth. Walking between the worlds and in the world and discovering new worlds. Managing that space between uncertainty and mystery. Holding words that trigger us, like managing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because so so much of our balancing is between the practical manifestors and the mystical women of mystery. Mm. So what is it about managing that triggers you? I'm not good at that. You're not good at what? Managing. I get my not good enoughs instantly. Huh. I mean, you should see. We were, we were managing room. mystery and uncertainty. It's like managing the in-between, managing the navigation of, managing the... All the big emotions, all the feelings. Maybe I don't want to manage them. I want to navigate them. Uh-huh. See, I think it's so funny to me because this is where the, the writing coach in you comes out and is like, I don't want to feel that way. I want to feel this way. And I want to tell you exactly what that word means yeah. to me in a story. Here it is. Because <laughs> if I were writing a character and I were to say... She is now going to manage the situation. It would be so different than saying she was going to navigate the situation. Okay, I totally get that. And also, there's just a a part of like our brains that need to manage it. Like, I I, in order for me to deal with uncertainty and mystery, I, I need to manage my feelings. I need to notice all the things I'm feeling and where it freaking scares me. And hold my shit together. Makes total sense. I hear you. My, the way I own that is that 
the managing part makes me feel the feelings <laughs> and I'm trying to manage all the feelings that I'm feeling. So I'm going to manage them while you navigate them. Awesome. Okay. Let's do it together. Okay. Right. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Is there really a difference? Yes. Really? Yes. Between navigating and managing? Huge. Huh. A man. I mean, like I'm still feeling them when I'm managing them. It's not like I'm not feeling them. I have the image of a ship moving through the difficult territory from rock to rock, finding the flow, going with the tide. That's navigating. Exactly. Or is it managing? No, that's navigating. What's managing? Managing is the captain on the ship saying, you go there, you go there, you hold this, you hold that, and we'll get through this together. Okay, I'll take either. Or both. I think we've established so far in this conversation, I feel more comfortable being a boat than a captain. I'm not sure if that helps us at all. Yeah. And I'm pretty good going to my feelings and saying, okay, you're going to go do this right now. <laughs> you, you, need, you, you are overwhelming and you need to go away for the next 10 minutes. I can deal with you in five. <laughs> and by the way, I mean, I've now looped back to like, oh, but I'm actually pretty good at managing certain things. Oh, you I are. used to be a manager. Yeah. Oh, right. I have that. And th- now let me make you a spreadsheet which I will only use for three days. (laughs) We're getting real on this. We are getting real. So, okay. Why are we doing this podcast together today? Just us. I missed you. Oh, I missed you too. And we've got something big coming up that is really front of mind for us in so many ways. And it sits at the periphery of every episode of our podcast we're doing lately. Yeah. It's bookends, but the it truth is to be more than bookends. It's not our bookend right now because we need to talk about last Friday <laughs> and the all-encompassing experience that was entering that valley at the Menla Mountain Retreat mm-hmm. and how held we felt. So we drove into this property at Menla Mountain, which is in the Catskills here in New York, and... It's where we're hosting our revision retreat for therapist healers this summer from August 13th through 16th. We drove onto the property and uh, the mountains just enveloped us. And there was that way in which sometimes when you, you're held just the right way, you feel in a tremendous freedom and expansion that feels so safe and so right. And so compassionate. Mm-hmm. There was, I think we grabbed each other's hands as we were driving onto the property before we even fully got on the property. And, and uh, I know within myself, I felt the tears automatically just start to well up. Mm-hmm. It was, it was as if all the emotions could be felt and held there in a really safe way. And I think we recognized how much we've been holding this intellectually. We've been doing a lot of the managing of making the space work and knowing that we had our, all the, the right rooms booked and we were creating all the right invitations, but we hadn't actually set our feet there yet. And then we did. And that felt like one of those... This changes everything moments because we're in the transformation business and we needed to step into that moment of really conscious change. Grounding. Mm. 
it was to, to be on that land, um, it was just magical. Everything about it. There was, there was a bonfire burning in the distance. We saw the circle where we'll be holding a bonfire with our guests. We had spa treatments. We took walks on the ground. Mm. And there's a way in which, you know, magical is one of those words I especially use all the time. And to me, it does convey something ethereal and otherworldly. And oh, but this wasn't other. Let me get there. Okay. So there's something that's like fairy wings about magic, right? Something you just catch out of the corner of your vision. But there's another side to magic that is deeply embodied, has its feet rooted so deep in the ground, like those tremendous trees that surrounded us on all sides, reaching up so that when you looked to the horizon, it was actually this perfect line of pines, like a serrated edge. Yeah, we were in this valley, and that valley was like, it was like a U-shape of, of trees just surrounding us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe even more than a U. It was like um, a yoni. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was. It, it was. Because this is a place of birthing mm -hmm. and holding. And... Um, it's a place of walking between the worlds and balancing the worlds and having that spiritual, mystical sense, but also that like, oh, here, this is real. This is a space where I can make some things happen that I can take home. Mm. All right. So let's talk a little bit about what our retreat is going to be and what we are leaning into lately. Mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about connectfulness. First? It's all part of it. Okay. Because as we're birthing this retreat, it is calling on us to get really clear about who we're going to be and who we're going to step, who we already are, who we will, and how we will hold the space for those who join us. And a lot of this is about exploring your stories and crafting your future. And so that's an invitation for us to do this work before we arrive. Mm -hmm. We're exploring the stories we've been telling for a long time together and on our own for years. We're really diving into them to say, how can we make them as clear and tangible as possible? <laughs> and tangible is not necessarily my expertise. Feeling, feeling I do. Mm. Tangible, that's why I need you in my life. And I like to pin things to the page mm -hmm. and put them in some sort of order because it helps me deal with what's really my birthright of divine chaos. <laughs> so in this process of getting ready for the retreat, we've had a chance to look at words like connectfulness. We've had a chance to start thinking about what sovereign storytelling is. We're thinking about... Are you getting teary? Yes. Oh, keep talking, please. Oh. I used my last tissue, so I can't. I know I did. I'm in a therapist's office and I used the last tissue. <laughs> um, real life. 
but as we're, we're we, we, we've been, we've been working, playing, holding, dancing with these big phrases, our own big projects. And what we've talked a lot about today before we jumped on air was that way in which we didn't use these words exactly, but it's where they're in the foreground, where they're in the background, how we're communicating them to others, how we're embodying them ourselves, that sometimes the thing that is so much a part of you is something that you're living. And here's the thing. You need to live a story before you can tell it. Yes. And we're recording this right now, I think, as we're on this cusp of going from saying, I've been living this to I'm beginning to translate this into something I'm going to really start telling in a more clear way. Because connectfulness seems to be pricking at our collective consciousness and saying, I need you to understand a few more things about me so that you can start describing it to others in a way that makes the, begins that ripple process that you mm. talk so much about. Mm. Yeah, where do you want me to go with that? I want to hear how you feel about that as I am kind of, you know, on air <laughs> saying connectfulness is becoming in a new way and something new is emerging and it's not a secret. Yeah, my palms are sweaty. I know. My throat is closing up. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how I feel. <laughs> I'm, I'm grounded in, in my body right now. I'm feeling all the, the anxious pulse points about bringing this. I'm getting itchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you've given me some great wisdom around what discomfort is. Yeah, well, discomfort is information. Mm. Discomfort is the place that, um, that we need to pay attention to because it shares so much with us. It tells us about the things to lean into or away from. (sighs) And I think my discomfort here is around being seen. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know about Myers-Briggs. I do. Right? And a friend recently posted the definition of hell for each Myers-Briggs type. (laughs) I'm an INFP. Uh-huh. Apparently, the definition for hell for me is that my deepest thoughts and feelings will be exposed to a large audience, and everyone will think that I'm pathetic and unoriginal. Aww. That's my definition of hell. Are you in hell right now? <laughs> just, I just want to check in. Well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I don't know yet. This hasn't landed anywhere. <laughs> By the way. Some days I'm an INFP, and some days I'm an ENFP. And does that describe a lot of things about me? Do you want to know your definition of hell as an ENFP? Yes. Okay. I have two hells. I'm so lucky to be a Gemini. ENFP. Every minute for the rest of your life has been scheduled for you, and and it's a long series of arbitrary and solitary tasks. I'd go for solitary, (laughs) but don't you dare give me arbitrary. See, some days I like to be alone, and other days, I don't. Hmm. Anyway. I'll include the link to this, this definition of hell in our show notes. 
Should we read the disclaimer again? The information in this podcast is not a substitute for health from Louise's <laughs> mental You can't even get through it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway. So, okay. Yes, this, this puts, prickles me up and puts me on edge. That's, that was the whole point there. <sighs> and so I want to either save you mm, from this don't discomfort. Save me. Go there. It's okay. Okay. Yeah. So where we started going was that I said, I don't understand where connectfulness is in the mix right now. Mm-hmm. Because I know it's been your long-term brand. I know we've talked about it as sort of the parent of the Practice of Being Seen project, both in terms of theory and wisdom and also just in terms of some just straight business stuff based on what's been incorporated. And in this process of being so fully immersed in the Practice of Being Seen world between the podcast and the community and creating the website and, and building the brand and understanding what it meant for the two of us to show up together in the world, it became easy for me to say, well, connectfulness, that, that's like, we talked about that a lot before, but it's less part of what we're doing now. And then that was the part where we, where I got all prickled and I was like, it's what we're doing. It's what we're doing. And I was trying to say, but I was trying to make it better because I understand that it is important, but I just wasn't seeing it because I wasn't hearing you say it. And then my voice got really fast like this and I started to cry. And then I said, I think we're, we're, we're going into that place where we're prickling each other and we need to slow down and stop. Let's not have this conversation now. So we ended up recording a podcast about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it makes perfect sense to me. It does. Especially, you know, we should record extra episodes on the day when I know I had two hours of sleep. Yeah. It that makes, that it, makes total sense. Oh, yeah. But here's the thing that I love about this. Tell me. <laughs> that we have this relationship, you and I, mm. where we do this thing that most people don't do. Mm-hmm. We talk about our feelings. <laughs> we do. And as the non-therapist in the room, you guys have heard me say that phrase about a hundred times. Um, There's only one therapist in the room right now. You counting the dog? Yes. She's not certified. <laughs> no, whenever we interview therapists, there's often my role is to play the part of, you know, the non-therapist in the room, the one who's saying, hey, I'm processing this purely through my lens not through training, not through holding other space. I'm going to just be the woman on the street. Right. Um, and that awareness around, like, we talk about our feelings. Mm-hmm. It, to me, at once sounds like, oh, my God, have I ever really done that before? Or maybe I do that all the time, but I'm not even sure where I am. And it's easy to kind of get, start getting spooly in terms of, like, what are my feelings? Do I have feelings? Do I talk? Up, up, up? Oh, and you ground me in those moments of when I go into hyper overdrive, because you know what? I just realized sometimes feelings make me go into hyper overdrive. Yeah, I know they do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but now everyone else does too, including me. <laughs> when you forget, I'll make you listen to this recording. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so we were having this conversation about the, what connectfulness is, what its role is, where it's, where it's been living, which has been, Inside Rebecca's heart, inside Rebecca's mind, and inside her body. And what I wanted Rebecca to know was I stopped seeing connectfulness because I just saw you. 
And I wanted it to be this tremendous compliment to say, you're embodying this. You are being this. I forgot about the really cool name. And I just got in the cauldron with you and saw we were doing practice of being seen as Rebecca and Marisa. And in the way that, you know, in the way that Nike, just, you just do it. You forget about Nike. You just do it. You put on the sneakers and you run and you're the one who's running. And yeah, it's not about the shoes. It's about you doing it. Right. Right. That's a brand baby. And you know, yay, it worked. That's a brand baby. I mean, in and of itself, that's an important part of where we've been evolving toward Mm -hmm. is understanding our own brands Mm -hmm. and also understanding what our role is in terms of helping clinicians and healers live into their brand, embrace it, be it, recognize the intersections between the personal, the professional, the, but my soul just knows this is what I'm supposed to do, which to me is the definition of what connectfulness is. Mm as I'm watching you, it's your intersection of the personal, the professional, and what your soul is supposed to do. And by extension, that's what sovereignty is to me. It's my personal, my professional, and what my soul is supposed to do. And those are big words. Mm. And I love them. And I love them even more than I'm frightened by them. Yeah, I'm I'm just kind of They feel both big and inspirational and aspirational to me and unoriginal in every day. <laughs> All at the same time. Why do you have to go and speak all this truth right into the heart of fear? Because, you know, I was trying to be all aspirational. Yeah, I know. I heard that soul. part. I heard that, but I also... You want to get real? Yeah. You want to get real about the fact that it's like, what the hell? Anybody could wake up every day and have connection, sovereignty, be an individual. Yeah, I mean, come on. Everyone's aspiring towards something like that. There's nothing original about it. That's human. Sorry. No, it's not. Yes, it is. And no, it's not all at once. Mm -hmm. Because let me tell you a little bit of something. One of the downloads that came through to me one day, I think it was one of the days I said I was deciding I was going to write fiction and work on my sovereignty stuff instead of all the other outside tasks. And we were talking before about the ENFP, INFP, and I'm both, you know, and I love to joke about that. that. I do, but I don't, I mean, I see it in you. I totally get it, but I don't get it. (laughs) I get you, but I don't get you. Again, the human condition. So, you know, I laugh about this because I mean, I take any kind of quiz or anything and I'm both or I'm three of the options. You're always three. Yeah, because it's both. It's and, and it's also. And as soon as I realized that, I felt at once completely original that I had had this thought. (laughs) And then I also recognized we live in a world of triplicate nature everywhere and always. But you know what I did? I applied universal wisdom that is in traditions across the globe and across time to the way I understood my life right then and there in my kitchen. Because I think I was like actually thinking about like the sovereignty goddess and what I wanted for lunch. And I wanted like (laughs) potato chips and Cheerios and hot fudge sundae like all at the same time. I wanted both and also. She's not pregnant. 
No, but I was really tired. That's so <laughs> rare that that happens. But anyway, okay, no, don't talk that fast. They don't want to go that fast. Um, in recognizing that universal, don't laugh at me. Or go ahead, I please. I love it. I kind of like being laughed at. I do. My, in my, That's my the ENFP. Uh, my alternative um, uh, pr- profession as a comedian. But that moment of connecting this universal bit of wisdom and exactly what I needed to understand that moment in my life, yeah. that right there, that is deeply original, deeply necessary. And then there's a third part of it, of course. And that is an understanding how you're going to connect it to somebody right now who's having similar issues, problems, concerns, life experience as you. Universal wisdom. This is my immediate concern. I bet other people could help. It would help them to hear this too. And then, then you're just spinning yourself stories. If you say nobody needs this and nobody's ever thought of this before because they have thought of it before. There's not a lot of such thing as originality anymore, but it's how you apply it and who you give it to. Yeah, no, I get that. And, and so much of the magic comes through in the relationship. It comes through in the how. The information is transposed between us. It's the in-between, mm. you know, in, in the transmission. So <sighs> So let's step back before we, you know, before we step in. Hmm. We're already in. Okay. So you shared your internal static that uh-huh. plays that tape that yeah. says these all sound great, but they're not original. What, you know, everybody's right. done this before. Let's take the other route. Okay. Cause we've explored that other way. Mm-hmm. And I see that in you and I hold okay. that for all right, you. All right. Go, go, go. <laughs> you want me to go the other way? Go fast. <laughs> she's, folks, I think she's having feelings right now. So go the other way. If you didn't go down that road, and instead I reflected back to you at all this possibility and potential that's in connectfulness and how it's about the personal, the professional, and the story that your soul needs to tell. When you're excited and you get up in the morning and say, there's something here. I stayed up way too late last night working into it because there's something here. Take me there. You want me to tell you what connectfulness is to me? To you. To me. Connectfulness is a deep listening. It's a listening that ripples, that starts within. Mm. That starts with listening to your own feelings, your own trigger points, your own motivations, your own stories. All the stuff that makes you you, all the stuff that you know that you know, even if you forget it. And it ripples out into how you receive the rest of the world and how the world receives you. In a nutshell. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> what about all the stuff you don't know? There's lots of that. Yeah. That fits in there too, right? It totally does, but it's part of how you digest, right? Like all the stuff that you know, all the stuff that you are, all the stuff that even when you forget about yourself, it's still a part of you. Mm. 
all those stories and feelings and bony, fleshy, bloody parts of you, (laughs) they all have a lot to do with how you digest all the stuff that you receive from the world. And you might not like some of that stuff, but you still have to work your way through it. Navigate it. Manage it. Mm. Both. Both. And Mm -hmm. also. Also. (laughs) So, we are hosting a retreat (laughs) this summer called Revision. And a large purpose of this retreat is to help our therapist healer guests lean into the stuff that they're sensing bubbling up within them, the stuff, the stories, the theories, the ideas, the books that they're getting ready to birth and that they need a little holding around. I would love to say that our conversation has been completely orchestrated and that we knew we were going to illustrate exactly what we'd love (laughs) to see our participants come to with, but I think we've just watching the unfolding of how and the difficulty of expressing connectfulness and knowing it's so important and so hard to say, and that there's so many sticky points. It's supposed to be sticky. Nothing, nothing worth doing is ever really that easy. I mean, in order for this to, to become anything, any day with legs on it, it's, it's got to go through trials. You know, it's got to show up in the arena. It's got to. And so the arena that we've chosen for this is a great, compassionate container (laughs) in the mountains full of this amazing spiritual energy. Right. For our guests. We're not talking about for me on the podcast right now. This, this is my arena right now. (laughs) Sorry. I just. (laughs) Both. And also you're good. You're good. You're being held and we're using your story because in the specific, we find the universal. Okay. So Rebecca's personal (laughs) podcast arena is being used to illustrate the universal arena that's created at any sacred space held by great pine trees and mountains and specifically at the revision retreat where we're asking people to come with their hopes and their messes and their fears and their questions. Oh gosh, yes, bring all of that. And we can't promise that we'll have answers, Mm. but we can promise that you'll be held. And we can promise that the answers lie within you. Yes. And we'll help you get courageous enough to look inside and find those answers. Yeah. Because so much of this retreat is about that stillness, that looking, that questioning. And then it's also about getting prepared for the next steps. Can we slow down for a minute? I want to come back and talk about all this, but I want to like also talk about some of the practicals within this retreat. Just let's ground people for a minute. We've talked a little bit about what the land is like at Menla. You know what's kind of cool? Uh-uh. This is exactly where I was going. <laughs> In your head again? Okay. So we've talked a little bit about the land, right? Mm-hmm. When people sign up for the retreat, they get their accommodations covered for, what is it, three days and nights? Right? They show up on a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. They leave on a Wednesday. So three days and nights. All meals, accommodations, 
There's a bonfire in there. There's a yoga class in there. There's hikes in the woods in there. There's a massage included in there. There's some body work of your choosing. And then there's what we're actually doing in the circles we're holding. Right. That's just what's holding our circles. <laughs> right. Those are the, the, like, those are the, like, that's the icing in so many ways. That's, in which, in the, and it's the icing in which the manifesting is going to happen. Right. But we're also going to be talking about things like the hero's journey, the heroine's journey, what your journey is and how it's both of those and neither of those and your own all together. Because we're going to be rooting this in to your own innate wisdom, to the stuff that you, that lives within you. And the way we're going to tap into that is using those connectfulness principles that Rebecca is evolving into. And is it going to be pulling from everything she's been working on for so long and already has within her and in her computer because she has written so much of it down and it's going to be rooted in the work I've been doing around sovereignty and storytelling and understanding what it is to embody your own story so much that you're able to bring it to others and have them see themselves in the story you tell. We're going to be talking about things like discernment and how, when you hold a both and and, and also, how do you still make a choice? How do you tap into your own wisdom to get there? And we're going to be doing this in larger circles of the group and also in breakout circles with each of us so that we can kind of incubate some specific ideas because we'd love for people to come with some stacks of paper, (laughs) some files, some things, because we want to make sure that you're going to go home with a head full of ideas, but also the beginnings of saying, this is how I'm going to do this. And you're not necessarily just leaving it to like, oh, I can make some time in the few days after the retreat. We're creating a final morning. I think there's another thing that our participants are going to go home with. Say. Well, it's, it's just like soul food. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's the, there's what happens when you feel seen, when you feel heard, when your ideas feel expressed and that they landed mm-hmm. in another's ears or laps or hearts and just what that holding feels like. You know, I, it just so illustrates you and me and the ways we come at these different pieces. Because for me, I know I would need to come home with saying, I put some of this on paper and I now know my ideas are held here so I can look at them after. And I need to come home knowing that Marisa heard my ideas so that she could put them on paper. No, no, no. <laughs> no, you're I'm coming kidding, home with talking about that element of soul food is real. Yeah. That was a joke, but yes, the soul food being real, that's real. Yeah. And that's what we hope to provide for everyone who's coming with us is that holding from both sides and pairing that magical and that practical and knowing we need both. We do need both. It's it's not a this or that it's a this end that. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I also want to emphasize the, these processes aren't often rushed. They're slow. Mm -hmm. They're leaning into, they're digesting, they're getting comfortable with. And 
this is a part of the process. It's not the whole. No, there's no easy one, two, three steps on day one and four, five, six on day two and seven on day three. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to watch growth happen organically and we will see just as in nature, there are these amazing organizing principles mm-hmm. that emerge. And I think that Rebecca and I hold within us already, but we're not doing this by a book by a structure that says you will start here and you will end there because we want people to come at all different stages and points in their creative journeys and in their professional journeys. And because we want to follow the help each person who joins us to follow their own unique path mm-hmm. and putting some kind of framework on that's not going to achieve that. Not for this kind of retreat. No, not for this one. It has its place. Oh yeah. Yeah. But sensing birthing, holding. That's our structure. There are so many, you know, we, we talked in a recent episode about the 7 billion different definitions of normal, (laughs) right? So in that same way, sensing, birthing, holding, how many different definitions of there are there of that? Mm -hmm. What ultimately matters is your definition and what you're going to be able to live into and work with so that you do go home and manifest and feel inspired to keep moving forward on your own and with community that you're building here. So on that note, (laughs) I think this is a good place for us to close out today. Yeah. Yeah. You can learn more about the Practice of Being Seen retreat at practiceofbeingseen.com slash events. And for more great content, Check out practiceofbeingseen.com and help us to spread the word by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the podcast. Music, written and performed by Christopher Ferris and produced at Kidney Stone Studio. <laughs>